0: Pepperdine and Gonzaga were tied at halftime, but Graham E.K. went nuclear in the second half, and the Zags coasted to a 25-point victory, giving coach Mark Few his 700th career win. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On, Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on y'all? Happy Friday and welcome to Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by GameTime. Folks, download the GameTime app, create an account and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Well, there was a lot of angst A lot, a lot of angst in the first half of Gonzaga's game against Pepperdine on Thursday evening, but it turned into relief as the Zags blew out the waves in the second half to earn Coach Few his 700th win. We'll talk about that for Coach Few. We'll talk about the game here in the first segment, close out the show with some things we're going to be looking for for Gonzaga's game on Saturday against San Diego, another team they've already played this year and beat quite handily. We'll get to that to close out the week, but first, let's start with this game on Thursday evening. For those of you who uh, have been listening to the show throughout the the year, excuse me, you know that we've been doing kind of the good and the bad from the game, as well as going through my five keys to the game, my five things I'll be watching for. Uh, And this, it's fairly simple. The bad was the first half. The good was the second half. There's not a ton else more that needs to be uh, kind of litigated on that. Uh, Gonzaga really struggled in the first half of this game. They were never really able to, to pull away from Pepperdine Uh, it was not turnover issues they didn't turn the ball over all that much Uh, they forced Pepperdine into a lot of tough shots the offense just couldn't get going part of it was Anton Watson picking up his second foul of the game uh, with 14 minutes to go in the first half he ended up sitting a huge chunk of the first half because of that Graham E.K. played well in the first half he played much better in the second half but he played well in the first half but he had to sit on the uh, on the bench as well just with some fatigue issues braden huff struggled in the first half of this game he was not playing at his best even he played a little bit better in the second half as well but still some freshman stuff from him that you're seeing some uh, inside he got pushed around a little bit more than you'd like committed some dumb fouls and i think that allowed pepperdine to kind of get back in the game it wasn't just him by any stretch dusty stromer had a really rough first half as well uh, took bad shots early in the shot clock, which is kind of an uncharacteristic mistake from him, lost his defender, committed some dumb fouls on the other end. Uh, Nolan Hickman hit Gonzaga's first three of the game and then went one of seven after that in the first half. Uh, he didn't have a, an awful game overall. I thought he took generally good shots. There was only a few instances where it's was like, oh, that wasn't a very good shot, but a couple of them were at the end of the shot clock too. But he just wasn't finding in the, the bottom of the net, uh, especially in that first half for him. But Gonzaga also struggled at the free throw line in this one, six of 12 from the free throw line in the game. That's a big issue for them and and something that has been a pleasant surprise for the majority of the season, how well they have been at the free throw line. So just hopefully just a blip in the radar and a a bad night on the road uh, in this environment against Pepperdine. Not exactly sure what happened. Six of 12 is a pretty small sample size. That's part of the issue too, is they didn't get to the line all that much. Uh, officiating was fine in this game it was a little bit of home cooking there always kind of is when you're on the road. I think that's that's fine. you can accept that but Gonzaga didn't didn't get to the line as much as they probably should have but they also weren't converting so you can't really blame the officiating for that. Also, didn't generate a lot of turnovers. I think some of this is a credit to Pepperdine. They uh, were forced into a lot of bad shots offensively because of Gonzaga's defense, but they didn't turn the ball over all that much, only five in the first half and only nine in the game, so only four turnovers for them in the second half. But the second half is where Gonzaga really shined. Overall in the game, they out-rebounded Pepperdine 42-26, to but it was even more prevalent in the second half. The defense, again, continued to force them to take bad shots all game long. Gonzaga only had seven turnovers in the entire game, too. That was a huge strength of theirs. Uh, In the first half, missing shots they shouldn't have been missing. In the second half, they kind of just made the shots they should be making. That was the the biggest difference. Uh, One of the things I love that got brought up in this game by by Richard Fox and Greg Heister on the broadcast was – that this Gonzaga team has to fight a little bit harder because they tend to not be able to stretch a four-point lead into a 15-point lead into a 20-point lead. And that has been true. That is a true point about this Gonzaga roster. They then did it pretty much immediately after that conversation happened on the broadcast, and I thought that was kind of a funny uh, anecdote because it isn't something that this team has done all that well, but they really managed to do it in this game want to go through the five things I laid out before the game uh, as kind of what I was going to be watching for. A big thing for Gonzaga was trying to stymie Pepperdine's big three of Michael Ajayi, Javon Porter, and Houston Millette. As you would expect, that was even more prevalent in the second half. Uh, Porter had 13 in the first half and finished with 16. So he had three points in the second half. Houston Millette had nine in the first half. Michael Ajayi had six in the first half. That's what they both finished with. So in the second half of this game, the big three for Pepperdine of Javon Porter, Michael Ajayi, and Houston Millette finished with a combined three points. That's it. That is it for those three guys. That was a huge part of the game. This, I mean, most teams don't do well when their three best scorers are not scoring the basketball. I don't think any team would be able to withstand that. And Pepperdine was absolutely unable to, to get anything going offensively with those three guys effectively being removed from the game or uh, unable to score the way that they're they're used to doing. Key number two was make Pepperdine double-team Graham E.K., and they didn't do it. They did not do it. They didn't do it the first time out. They didn't do it the second time out. Graham E.K. had 24 points on seven rebounds on 11 of 17 shooting. He had 10 of Gonzaga's first 15. He finished with 11 in the first half, had 13 in the second half, and in the second half, they did start to double a little bit more. They didn't do it in the first half. They did it a little bit more in the second half. When that happened, one of the biggest things of growth that I think we saw in this game, if you wanted to take some real positives going forward as opposed to just, oh, it's Pepperdine, so it doesn't matter. There's always positives to take. And one of the biggest ones for me was Graham's ability to pass out of the double team. There were instances where he swung the ball all the way across the floor to wide-open three-point shooters. There was times where he just kicked it out and then Gonzaga moved the ball around and were able to catch Pepperdine in a situation where they were trailing the the ball and unable to catch up gives Gonzaga a good opportunity to score. That is a key for Graham this year because Drew Timmy – was underrated in a lot of ways already, I can tell, by by some people in the fan base in particular, but he was a really good passer, and it made it so difficult to defend him because he could get the ball out of his hands if he needed to. Graham has yet to show that this year until this game, and I think that's vital for him going forward. Key number three was finding the outside shot. First half, three of 12. Second half, five of eight. Another key in kind of comparing the first half and the second half here. Again, Hickman struggled in the first half to hit his threes. Uh, he took some decent shots. Again, a couple of them, and eh, maybe not so great. Uh, but in the second half, the team was just fluid from three. They were getting open looks. The offense flowed much better. Part of that was the double teaming on Graham and him getting the ball out of his hands. Nemhard hit his only three-point attempt. Watson hit his only three-point attempt. Stromer uh, hit both his three-point attempts in the second half, missed them in the first half, Uh, and we'll talk about that now because one of the other keys was some offense from Stromer and Yo, a little bit more juice from those guys, and and Ben Gregg started over Dusty Stromer, and that was a big storyline as well that I kind of didn't mention at the top, but Greg starting over Stromer, I think, allows Dusty to maybe be a bit more comfortable in a role coming off the bench. Ben has earned a starting role with the way he has played. Dusty, frankly, has not played as well lately, and I think that there's maybe some confidence stuff going on, and they even brought that up a bit on the broadcast, but he looked great in the second half of this game. Great, great, great in the second half of this game. Hit both his threes, was really active on defense, uh, Played, just played the, some of the best basketball we've seen from him in a Gonzaga uniform in the second half of this game. I think that is, if there's a bigger takeaway than Grammy K's passing out of the double team, it's Dusty Stromer's performance in the second half. Yo didn't play much. He came in towards the end of the first half, came in towards the end of the second half. Uh, he did hit a nice kind of fadeaway jump shot that was a contested shot that I thought was a really pretty, pretty look from him. So hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more from him. Going forward, uh, because he just hasn't really carved out much playing time, but at least he got a little bit of action in this game at the end. And then from the walk on minutes perspective, we did not see Pavle Stosic, we did not see Colby Brooks, we did see Joe Few. Uh, He attempted to get a bucket, which would have been great to see on his uh, dad's 700th career victory. He got swatted very violently under the rim on that attempt. Uh, The kind of thing that's probably going to happen to Joe Few. But at least I'm glad to see him try to take a shot because you want to see him get those those first points in this game. Didn't happen for him, but. Hey, it was uh, good good that in the game where the, the Zags were tied at halftime, uh, that Joe Few at least got to play. That's a good sign of what happened in that second half. Well, Mark Few, he got to 700. He became the only, only active coach right now who has 700 wins with just one school. He is the second fastest coach to ever get to 700 victories. We're going to talk about more on this accomplishment all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the college basketball offers, will they stay hot on FanDuel? And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 line bet. That's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. I've been thinking about joining, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is really easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, which include spreads, player props, money lines, over, unders, and more. Right now, Gonzaga's women's team, we'll talk about them in a second. 10,000 to one odds to win it all. They are playing like a phenomenal team right now. I know it's the WCC, but man, 10,000 to one. You got to sign me up for that. If you want to join me, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this college basketball season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, 700 wins for Coach Mark Few. We hope he did it last week against Santa Clara. He gets it on Thursday night against Lorenzo Romar and the Pepperdine Waves. What an extraordinary accomplishment for Mark Few to put this into perspective. There are nine, nine active coaches who have 700 wins right now. Mark Few is the only one of those coaches who has done it with just one school. Tom Izzo and the Spartans of Michigan State picked up win number 698 just I think the same day on Thursday, maybe it was on Wednesday, they they played earlier this week. Regardless, he is just behind Mark Few in getting to win number 700. Most thought that he would get there before Mark Few this year. They struggled in the non-conference much more than people thought that they would. Gonzaga did to an extent as well, although not quite at the level of Tom Izzo and the Spartans. But either way, Michigan State will get there very soon. Tom Izzo will earn this incredible accomplishment. But for Mark Few to be here first, to be in this conversation, is just extraordinary. And we've been doing a little bit more of this kind of looking back on Locked On Zags than I think I expected to do this year, in part because we've seen streaks come to an end. We saw the AP streak come to an end, and we talked about how impactful that streak has been for Gonzaga and how how much it highlights the growth of this program since 2016 when that streak first started. We've been talking about how this program's struggles in the WCC are a little bit more reminiscent of times, you know, back 10, 12 years ago when Gonzaga was more likely to actually lose games in the WCC. So we've been doing a bit more introspection than perhaps I would have thought for this season here on the Locked On Zags podcast. But we can't just skip over it when Mark Few gets to 700 wins. 700 wins in 840 games. He is the fastest coach to get to 700 wins since Adolph Rupp. In case you want to know where Adolph Rupp coached, Gonzaga is playing Kentucky on February 10th at Rupp Arena. Adolph Rupp was the coach at Kentucky from 1948 to 1958. He is considered an all-time great, a legend of college basketball. And Mark Few becomes the second fastest coach to get to 700 wins behind him. An unbelievable accomplishment. Mark Few, 83.3% winning record. It is the best among active coaches. And most of this fan base is not going to make these arguments. There are keyboard warriors on social media who will be like, well, it's because it's at Gonzaga. He's got to do it at a different school. People, Gonzaga wasn't this when Mark Few took over to turn a program that had the resources Gonzaga had when he took over that was in the conference that they were in when the, when he took over, the same conference they're still in, in the locality that they're in in Spokane, Washington. To win 700, it was like, well, oh, they, they're doing it against inferior competition. Yeah, because they got better <laughs> the competition that they played. Gonzaga didn't start with a leg up on the teams in the WCC. They, they hadn't won a conference tournament game until like a 95, I think, and then they won again in 99, and then that's when Mark Few took over the next year and boom – They've been in the tournament every single year since then. This ability of Mark Few to stay at the same school, which has always been one of the greatest traits amongst a a coach who has so many intangible traits as a coach, uh, as a leader, etc., etc. He's not without his flaws, but this isn't the time for that. But for him to have stayed at Gonzaga when people told him great article from theo Lawson of the spokesman review i want to shout that out before we go on because some of the, the anecdotes I, I didn't pull any specific quotes because i want you all to read the article there it's a it's a really good introspection on mark few great quotes from leon rice from tommy lloyd from ray giacoletti from bill greer handful of other people who've been a uh, longtime assistants under coach few throughout this tenure and the fact that people were telling mark few in the early 2000s you have to go somewhere else you cannot win here You cannot do what you want to do as a coach, accomplish what you want to accomplish, what you need to accomplish, what you're capable of accomplishing. They told him he can't do it at Gonzaga, and he didn't listen to him. And now he's been to eight straight sweet 16s. He's been to multiple final fours. He's been in the national championship twice. Yes. Yes, there is still a hurdle to be overcome. And yes, this season does not feel like the year where that's going to happen. And the focus more is continuing the NCAA tournament streak, winning the WCC tournament, et cetera, et cetera. We know the way where the program is in this year, and we know that it has not been up to the par that that we have seen from this program in the last eight years. But think about what that level is. I mean, it's incredible, the level that Gonzaga has been operating at. And it is hard in the moment to really remember, like, this program should not be at this level. This is not where they should be. This is not where programs like Gonzaga ever end up. And yeah, they may have a, a slight disadvantage in terms of not being the, the size and not having the donor base and the alumni base and just the overall uh, infrastructure that programs you know like Duke and Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas and, and Michigan, Michigan State, et cetera, do. But the fact that Gonzaga's com- competing with them is all the more impressive and is an incredible testament to Mark Few's ability as this head coach, his loyalty to this program and his steadfast belief that this program in Spokane Washington is capable of competing at the highest level he never didn't believe it he never stopped believing it he still believes it and he's been proven right time and time and time and time again beyond his loyalty his ability to adjust and be flexible and be on the cutting edge of college basketball is is unprecedented Mark Few has changed his offense so much. Most coaches who have been around as long as Mark Few have changed their offense. Rick Pitino is not running the same offense at St. John's, even that he ran at Louisville, even that he ran at Kentucky, even that he ran at Providence in the 80s. He's not. He has made adjustments. Tom Izzo has made adjustments. Some coaches are better at making adjustments than others. Some coaches kind of fade into obscurity, or not necessarily obscurity in the case of Jim Beheim, but they fade in terms of performance because they're not making those adjustments. Mark Few has made those adjustments. Tom Izzo, Rick Pitino, et cetera. They have. That's why they're at this level still. That's why they're still coaching elite or in the case of St. John's, going to soon be pretty elite programs at this age, at this level, at this amount of time in this industry. Because Mark Few, they ran the flex offense in the 90s, 2000s. You know, now they're running a completely different offense, this motion offense. They've adjusted it year to year uh, as their personnel has changed. And to see Mark Few be so willing to make those changes and not hold on to like, I have to do it this way because that's what worked for me. Like, no, be flexible. Be willing to make those changes, not just from an X and O's perspective, but from a coaching style perspective. Generations change and you got to change the way that you coach young kids to figure out how to get the best out of them. Mark Few has made those adjustments. He's on the cutting edge in terms of recruiting. And, yeah, I know people are concerned about their current recruiting, and I get it. I get it. But they've been, they have been—they went international before most. They landed Roni Turioffs and the Robert Sockrays and the Kevin Pangoses and the DeMontis Sabonuses and the Shemik Karnowskis. Yes, Tommy Lloyd had a big part of that, but Mark Few didn't just let Tommy do whatever he wanted. There was oversight over that. And Mark Few and Gonzaga and Tommy and everybody, their decision to pursue international players because they knew they could not land the five-stars at this time in the program was what kept them alive. It's what put them in positions to win as many games as they have. Beyond that, they were instrumental in the sit-out transfer, going and getting guys and having them sit a year and bringing them and having them blossom in that year behind the scenes. Kelly Olenek I know is not a transfer, but he kind of helped spearhead that with his red shirt season before becoming an all-American. And then we had Kyle Wilcher. Then we had Brandon Clark and Nigel Williams Goss and Jonathan Williams and all these guys who sat out a year and then blossomed. Gonzaga did that. There there was no precedent. They found out to do that. They realized they could do that and make a make a killing by adding players who then could then blossom behind the scenes and, and have these huge successful seasons. Then they figured out the grad transfer market before the transfer portal existed, before you could transfer and play right away. Gonzaga said, what if we just go after these grad transfers and find ways to add pieces that we need right away? go get a a high-level shooting guard in Jordan Matthews. Go get a three in Byron Wesley who can start on this team right away. Go get a a new backcourt that we need in Ryan Woolridge and Admon Gilder and just pop them both into the system. Like Now, that is every team can do that because the transfer portal rules have changed, but Gonzaga figured that out before a lot of other teams did, and they found ways to add roster talent, and they found ways to fill holes that other teams weren't doing. That, to me, outside of the loyalty... Mark Few's ability to continue to adjust, to continue to find new ways to win. This is why I'm not as concerned about the NIL thing. Yes, there is a likelihood, and we talked about it on a recent episode, for those of you who missed it, I think it was Wednesday's show, that Gonzaga's NIL is behind many other high-level programs. I don't think that that's exactly a shock. I don't think that NIL is as big of a problem for Gonzaga as some people are making it out to be, and part of the reason is because Gonzaga has always found ways around this. Like, oh, they're not able to get as many five-stars or high-level or high, start or high level talent. That's always been the case. Gonzaga's landed three five-stars in their history, according to 24-7 Sports. Two of them came from Minnehaha High School in Minnesota, and Jalen Suggs and Chad Holmgren. the other one was Hunter Salas. Some places list Zach Collins and Nolan Hickman, but three according to 24-7 Sports. And yet Gonzaga's had this level of success because Mark Few has found other ways. I'm not concerned that he won't still be able to do that. They have always found ways. Right now, they're, they're, I think they're searching for the next way. Whether it's continuing to, to parse the international market, whether it's continuing to recruit guys that are maybe outside the top uh, you know, 50, 60, guys like Nick Kamenia, who's rising up the ranks, guys like Braden Huff, who clearly looks better than the 95th ranked prospect that he was in his recruiting class, whatever it may be, this team has always found ways to win. Mark, she is one of the best winners in college basketball, and I have very little doubt that that won't continue uh, going forward. I want to give a quick shout out to Lisa 48 as well. 250th career win for her, uh, where Gonzaga's win over LMU at the Kennel on Thursday evening. 72 48 was the final score. Absolutely blasted the Lions of LSU. Yvonne Ejim, who we spoke about. Uh, Very recently on the podcast, on Thursday's episode, she had 24 points on 11 of 15, shooting one of the most efficient scores in all of college basketball. Uh, Fantastic performance from her, 12 boards as well. Coach 48, 250 wins and just 61 losses uh, while at Gonzaga. Incredible run from her. This team looks really, really good right now, and I'm excited to see how they continue to do this season we going to close out the show previewing Gonzaga's Saturday evening game on the road in San Diego against the Toreros. What can we expect to see? What are we hoping to see for this team's second matchup against this team this year? All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. If your New Year's resolution is to get out on the town more in 2024, then you need to check out Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, GameTime has exactly what you need. Folks should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. And thankfully, GameTime has got you covered because they have deals on tickets right up until the start of the event. And in some cases, even an hour after it starts, GameTime is the perfect place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app now. Create an account and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Terms do apply. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, folks, closing out the show today, talking about San Diego, the Toreros, Gonzaga's opponent on January 20th. Tomorrow, as many of you are listening to this on Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, the game will be on KHQ. Uh, For those of you in the Spokane market, it'll be on ESPN Plus for those of you outside of the Pacific Northwest market, and it will be on Root Sports in the Seattle Portland area. Uh, For Thursday's game, I said Root Sports Plus because that's what it was listed as. I ended up finding it on Root Sports. Sometimes it's hard to say. Uh, Fubo is the best way for me personally to find the games. Uh, I'm not trying to be a shill for Fubo. Uh, It's a little bit overpriced, quite honestly, but it does have multiple Root Sports channels, which is how I'm able to find those Gonzaga games. Again, as a reminder, uh, if you Join us in our Discord channel. We have a game thread where we're talking about the game throughout the entire game. But at the beginning, we're often helping people find streams to the game, find legal ways to watch the basketball game on Root Sports uh, or whatever uh, market they need to be able to watch the game. Zags played San Diego on January 6th in the Kennel. It was their first WCC game in the McCarthy Athletic Center because they played. LME, or excuse me, they played Pepperdine a few days before that at the Spokane Arena. Uh, the Zags won this game against San Diego 101-74. to This was the Ben Gregg breakout game. For those of you who remember, Ben had 22 points seven, and he had seven rebounds and four steals all coming off the bench, Uh, probably a a factor in him stepping into a starting role. He played really well in that game. Didn't play as well against Santa Clara, but nobody played particularly well against Santa Clara. Dusty struggled in that one, and I think that has led to the change for Ben to be in the starting lineup. That's one of the things I'll be looking for, is if Ben starts again, if that was a one-off thing or if that's something that they're going to do going forward, my suspicion is that Ben is going to start going forward. I think Uh, he didn't bring a ton of offense in that game against um, uh, Pepperdine but he is a a player who can bring offense more importantly he brings really good rebounding and defensive intensity and I think for Dusty it's it's better to maybe bring him along a little bit more slowly going forward this year. Uh, EK had 19 and 8 on 8 of 12 shooting in that game against San Diego as well. Uh, It was a good game for Nembhard and Hickman. They had 18 and 9 for Nembhard that's 9 assists. Uh, Hickman had 17 and 4. The zag shot almost 44 percent from 3. Since that game San Diego is 0 and 2 they hosted San Francisco and lost by 20, 83-63. to 63. They then hosted Pepperdine and only lost by six in that one, 83-77. It was actually Pepperdine's first road win in 29 games, came against San Diego. Uh, they were supposed to play Portland in on Thursday in Portland. That game was canceled because of the snowstorm here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but the point is San Diego... Wasn't a particularly good team when Gonzaga played them. They haven't looked particularly good since then. Uh, Going through our five kind of things we'll be watching for in that game, a lot of similarities to what we said in the Pepperdine game and a lot of similarities to what we said last time these two teams played. Key number one is just get the ball on the paint. Make them double-team Ike, just like we saw. I I made a prediction last week that Grameke would be WCC Player of the Year the next game he played very bad against Santa Clara. A couple people asked me if I was sticking with my prediction. I am. And now I'm even more confidently sticking with that prediction after he put up 24-7 and against Pepperdine. But a handful of teams are not choosing to double-team Graham E.K. Sure, I think Graham will have a harder time against Mitchell Saxon at St. Mary's. I think he'll have a harder time against Jonathan Mobo at San Francisco. He'll have a harder time the second time they play Santa Clara because they're the fifth-tallest team in college basketball. But Graham is dominating everybody else. And I think he'll still perform well against those teams if he can avoid foul trouble. And in this game, there's no reason that Graham cannot do what he did last time and put up 20 points on 12 shots. I'll be interested to see as well if San Diego does attempt to double team him, if Graham can be better at getting the ball out of those double teams, having Gonzaga's offense swing the ball around and find open shooters, because if they're capable of doing that, it makes it even more difficult to double team him, and, it makes it, and if they can't double team him, he's just going to go to work. Key number two is active hands and forced turnovers. USD turned the ball over 19 times. The last time these two teams played, they are a turnover-prone squad, to say the very least. Last time out, the Zags had 14 steals, four of them from Ben Gregg. That was a career high. Ryan Nemhart also had four. Hickman had three. Uh, it's a great way to get out in transition and score points. Uh, it gets the crowd going in a home arena and an away arena. It's going to quiet that place. Uh, Jenny Craig Pavilion has not ever been a particularly difficult place for Gonzaga to play against this San Diego squad, but getting turnovers, getting out in transition, it builds the confidence. Uh, it builds up big leads in easy ways. It, it allows Gonzaga to get points without having to set up their half-court offense. Uh, I think it's a good uh, potential confidence builder for guys like like uh, Dusty Stromer, which is what I want to talk about in number three, which is more can, basically the same, more from Dusty Stromer, more from June Sakiol. Stromer had an absolutely incredible second half of basketball against Pepperdine on Thursday. He was not good in the first half. And, I mean, the broadcast straight up mentioned it looks like he's lost his confidence. He was taking shots really early in the shot clock. He he was trying to be set up in the corner, catch and shoot really quickly. But at one point he did it with like 22 seconds left on the clock. Just no need for that. Uh, and you can start to feel like maybe he's wearing down from the season. Uh, maybe he's got, feels more pressure. Who knows? I don't want to speculate too much on that. I don't know exactly what's going on, uh, but he looked really good in the second half of this game. And it would be great for that momentum to carry over for him. Maybe coming off the bench is helping him. Who knows? But more from Dusty activity-wise, defensively, more confidence offensively, not just shooting threes, but putting the ball on the deck. He had a really nice pass to Ben Gregg in that game on Pe- against Pepperdine where he had the ball on the block and he didn't panic. He had defenders around him. Ben cut to the hoop. He made a little bounce pass to him. Ben scored and was fouled. It was a beautiful play. Dusty has that facilitation skill in him. He has the ability to make those kind of reads, to do that kind of stuff. He hasn't been given a lot of opportunities, but he also hasn't taken advantage of them when he's had them. This is a good game for him to potentially do that. Hopefully we get to see more from Yo as well. There is obviously some reason that Mark Few is not playing him minutes, even in games when they have the opportunity to. He did play in the final few minutes against Pepperdine, but uh, he hasn't cracked into that rotation. Ben has obviously stepped into that kind of three role. I think Watson kind of plays more of the three, but regardless, Ben is playing those minutes, but it would be great great to see Yo get opportunities in this game. Key number four, thing I'll be watching for. I'd like to see some some different offensive sets, and part of that kind of depends on how uh, this San Diego team attempts to guard Graham Ek. If they're double teaming him, what does that mean? Does Gonzaga? try different things to make you do some backdoor cuts or do some different things to to try to get some, maybe they pull Graham away from the rim, give him the ball at the free throw line like they've done with Drew Timmy in the past, uh, more high-low offense, which makes it a little bit tougher to double team when he's in the middle of the floor. Like, There's a couple of different things they could do. Uh, I'm not an incredible expert on X's and O's specifically, but I'd like to see them maybe try some new things uh, maybe some different pick and roll situations where Andrew Nembhard or excuse me, where Ryan Nembhard is not forced to either choose to uh, they're going under the screen. So he's either got to take a three or just swing the ball back around. That offense has stagnated at times. So it'd be nice to see them maybe try something a little bit different, especially in a game like this, where the team they're playing, just not that good. Key number five, as it is often in these games against these lower level opponents. Love to see some minutes from Pavle Stosic. Love to see some minutes from Joe Few and Colby Brooks. I know that neither Stosic or Brooks played on Thursday, where Joe Few did play. Some people get a little uh, rankled when Joe Few plays over Few, uh, over Brooks and Stosic. It doesn't really bother me. Part of it is just wanting to get Nemhart and Hickman a break. Joe Few's a point guard. I know it doesn't really matter at the very end of a game when they're up by 25 points, but I don't really mind when Joe Few plays at the end of the game. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I do want to see Stosic get get some more development time, though, so hopefully this is a game where Gonzaga has a big enough lead that he can play three or four minutes as opposed to just playing the last 90 seconds, where most of the time you're just kind of standing around, not really doing much. So that would be something I'd like to be able to see Gonzaga get an opportunity to do uh, in this game on Saturday. It's going to wrap it up for today and for this week here on the Locked On Zags podcast. I want to thank all of you for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners and shout out to those of you who have joined us on our Discord channel. going to have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back on Monday with some mailbag questions, talking about the game against San Diego and getting ready for another big week of Gonzaga basketball as they take on San Francisco next week. Uh, Thanks for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.